0: Okay, there we go. Thank you. Technology is coming around. Thank you very much. This is a privilege for me to uh, come again this day to visit you all at uh, River Park Church in Calgary. And uh, we are just so thankful that, uh, first of all, Gali and I are here in Canada, in Tor- from Toronto Canada. I'm speaking to you. Uh, soon, we're, next week, we're going to start a move to St. Catherine's, Ontario. Uh, still part of the greater Toronto Hamilton area. Uh, getting more acquainted with other parts of the church uh, and also just moving into our very own home for the first time uh, in Gally and Our Lives Together. Uh, we want to thank you for your prayers and your care, your interest in us, and uh, our ministry, our family, in Russia, stuff. behind behind and uh and and our friends and partners with whom we've been uh working for uh, 21 years together. Uh I want to acknowledge and thank the uh the worship leaders who uh called on the name of the Lord, uh, invited the Holy Spirit to be part of this uh gathering with us because uh, we're living in a time uh in a day when what needs to happen in this world and in our church and in our lives has to be something supernatural. And we need to have the Holy Spirit's presence with us today and uh, to draw closer to him. We're closer to the last days. We are waiting as the second coming draws nearer. And uh, for this, we need our Lord Jesus Christ to be with us today. And thank you then for anointing this time together. Uh, we are set up first to give a short little ministry update on how things have uh, been uh developing as far as uh, our ministry and the Russia-Ukraine conflict is going. And so we are gonna call on the IT people to uh, prepare a few uh, pictures. I wanted to say that uh, this is a very, very difficult time, both for Russian people, as well as for the suffering Ukrainian people on their own territory. Uh, The the people in Russia, do not do not stand behind what is happening in this uh, in this conflict, uh, but because of the great repression that is happening for them, uh, their voice is is not able to speak out loudly both in their country and to the world, and so people like myself need to to give voice to to what is uh burdening uh the hearts of our friends in in russia uh first slide shows that um we have uh a a church in russia that is fasting and praying on a daily basis uh this is an announcement that shows the uh the announcement from the pentecostal union where we're a partner partnership and uh calling upon uh all the churches across the country to pray for uh the Victims of this conflict. Uh, it is very dangerous for a Russian person to uh, openly uh, speak against the Russian armed forces, against any of the uh, any of the decisions being taken by the Russian government, and uh, and therefore uh, it is not often that I speak directly to people from Russia. But I am. Uh, Getting, getting contact with some who come out of the country, go visit Estonia or Finland and hear some information. But generally the position of Christians in Russia is that they've never been involved in politics and their main, uh, their main work is to pray for the victims of this, this tragedy, for a change of heart of their leader and for God's will to be done in this situation. Next slide shows a picture of some more brave people. Uh, 400 church leaders many pastors and church leaders of different missions signed and published an anti-war plea to the russian government in early march and uh this was released on various websites uh very very bold thing for these people to do to to call war war and to to put their voice to the plea for the end of the war and uh a few days later a new Uh, law came into into place that would give a 15-year prison prison sentence for anybody who discredits the efforts of the Russian government and military forces. And so many of these people had to muffle their message, uh, but it still hangs on the Facebook pages of certain people. This past Friday, the next slide shows that there was a uh, very important a meeting a, a discussion between a bishop in Kiev and a bishop in Moscow and this discussion was to discuss where is christian leadership in times of war and it was a powerful discussion both the speakers uh were were uh non supportive of this war and uh, of course the person in Kiev much more strongly pleading with russian christians to to think this through and 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 declare themselves on one side of this war or another. And uh this is this is a very difficult difficult thing for Russian leaders because they know that their primary calling is to lead the church and to lead their families to Christ. Uh, And they put in jeopardy all of that if they uh come out in in on their on their internet or on their church web pages or anything and 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 say anything in public. So Arrests have happened. Arrests uh, take place regularly, especially every weekend in Russia. And so that's as far as most people are able to participate in this event. But church unions are gathering support. There's gathering food, clothing, personal items, gathering at the church union office, the churches, and they're shipping it by trucks to eastern uh, Ukraine because there's many uh, refugees leaving Ukraine from the east as well. Uh, this next slide slide shows what happens inside Ukraine. Uh, this is a church planning partner of Multiplication Network Ministry. Yeah, he, His ministry is to help people leave the country. And uh, he's part of uh, bringing displaced people who uh, don't feel safe in their buildings to move to Western Ukraine or to reach the borders and become refugees outside the country. Many Ukrainians are also involved in, uh, cook, in cooking. Cooking for soldiers, uh, being drivers for the refugees and giving spiritual care. There's still 38 million out of the 42 million people that are inside Ukraine, but at least 10 million of those have been displaced and they've got to move to safer places. Uh, what we are able to report more about is what's happening by our partner in Estonia. Next picture shows Pastor Pavel. Pastor Pavel used to be my partner in St. Petersburg until he was deported in 2016, uh, a victim of the uh, the earlier Russian-Ukrainian crisis. He's Ukrainian. Uh, He was deported. He came to Estonia to carry on his ministry. And here he is uh, going to the train station near Warsaw, Poland. Uh, He's got many friends and pastor colleagues in Ukraine, and they are sending their wives and children to the borders so that uh, they can find safety. And here's Pavel at the train station with his telephone meeting up with these people and helping them and bringing some of them to Estonia with him. Next picture uh, shows a few of those people uh, who are sitting with uh, Pavel's uh, wife Natasha on the left in the back. And uh, they, they, as a small young church, only three years old, they have taken 11 refugees into their care and uh, they are providing for them in various ways with uh, groceries, personal items. Uh, Next picture, next picture shows uh, people being invited into their secondhand store where they're trying, making a living, uh, trying to make a living with uh, secondhand clothing items, uh, Bob and Natasha. And uh, next picture also shows uh, giving these people the opportunity to choose what clothes they need so that they uh, can live because they've came, came out with just a single suitcase and uh, need, need a lot of help. Uh, Pavel, next picture. Um, Pavel also sent uh, money to a particular bishop inside Kiev Uh, because uh, they were desperately in need of money, finances to fill up gas tanks to help these refugees uh, leave Kyiv and the cities around it and get to the west of the country. And so this is a letter of thanks from that bishop for the 350 euros that he sent to the bishop. Next picture. Next picture shows a family of five, uh, husband, wife, and five children. Uh, if you're that big a family, you uh, as a husband are able to leave Ukraine. If you've got uh, three or less children, you are you must stay inside the country and defend defend the country. So Paolo helped uh, this fellow uh, come out of uh, Poland and through the Baltic countries on his way to Finland. He filled the tank of gas for this gentleman. And uh, next picture, uh, gave a lot of spiritual encouragement and hope to them and finally the next picture shows a nice dinner first time in several days that they had a nice uh, meal before they're making their final step to uh, to one of uh, Pavel's colleagues in Finland. So that gives you a little bit of a picture of uh, what Resonate is doing. We have given a sent a grant of money to help Pavel to do some of this. His church is very young. Pavel doesn't even get a salary from his church, and so our financial help is uh, very significant for them being able to be the hands and feet uh, for the refugees. Uh, so uh, that's it for the for the pictures and the ministry update. Uh, In God's all-knowing providence, he uh, helped Gaeli and I see that our time was coming to a close in in Russia. Already uh, this past May, as you know, we arrived in Canada and we already spoke in your church uh, last last autumn. Um, We uh, have returned here to Canada because we have real hope that another chapter of ministry for us among Slavic people can take place right here in Canada. Uh, Christian Reformed World Missions and Home Missions a few years ago came together and became Resonate Global Mission because we all see how the mission of God to reach all the nations and peoples of the world with the gospel of Jesus has come very close to home in our present day. People from all over the world are now at our doorstep in here in North America including hundreds of thousands of the 35 million Russian-speaking diaspora that are outside of today's Russian Federation. So uh, we want to reach those people and we're here in the city with the largest amount of Slavic populations. Now across Canada, CRC, CRC churches are embracing immigrants and refugees and this is a wonderful thing to be to see and today we are celebrating Refugee Sunday. Some of that embracing has started very intentionally. Uh, I'm still a member of Smithers' CRC church in northern British Columbia, you know that's on the edge of the edge of the Canadian wilderness. Uh, that church, in the time of my absence, has now 15 different ethnicities represented in their in their congregation. Year after year, they are inviting refugees into their community. And you would think they'd all want to head over to the big cities where all their cousins and relatives are. But no, most of them are loving the community in the the town of Smithers, the Christian community, and feel embraced there. Well, there's other CRC churches that Not haven't very intentionally embraced this this goal of reaching the nations, but God simply drops people at their door unexpectedly. And if I turn out the window here, one kilometer from me in my apartment building here is Willowdale Christian Reformed Church. Uh, They uh, today have in the pews more Iranians and Afghanis than they have the old-timer people of European heritage. Can you believe it? God brought Sylvie and Nasser, searching for a spiritual home for themselves and for the converts of their Persian outreach. And five years later, here they are uh, running a ministry in uh, Willowdale CRC uh, with the great cooperation of the, the rest of the congregation. And uh, they are a flagship model of how to do diaspora ministries in our church denomination. So here we are in greater Toronto Hamilton area. We're meeting more diaspora communities we're building relationships. We're learning the tools of training that can prepare me and you for our role in embracing new Canadians. Our goal is to mobilize believers inside and outside of those communities of immigrants and refugees in a way that will welcome them and embrace them, which will help communicate God's love to these people, and hopefully we would be able to lead them to faith in Christ. Last Sunday, for instance, uh, Galia and I visited our ninth Slavic church in the greater Toronto area, and this is our work this year to get acquainted with every single Russian church that we can possibly find and to meet their leaders and to be in fellowship with them. So I want to give an example of one of them, Carr Street Gospel Church is uh, a church that got started in the 1940s, which makes it one of the first Russian speaking churches in uh, in Canada, in, in Toronto, not Canada. Uh, and they they built a nice building uh, in 1950. They can seat about 150 people. They're a mix today of evangelicals from Baptist and Pentecostal backgrounds. Uh, but today they're growing in every which way they possibly can. Today they have they have 50, 70 people. Uh, lots of the lots of them are young families. And this is uh, quite an uh interesting thing because in Toronto real estate has gotten so expensive that it's hard for people to be anywhere near this the core part of Toronto uh and be able to afford to live. And this church is in the downtown core, uh just maybe two kilometers from the lake's edge. Uh, so uh, they are a viable church in Toronto. They have even non, non-speaking, non-Russian speaking members in the church and guests, but they they've bought the technology to be able to reach the second generation. Everybody who's a guest doesn't understand Russian can use a Bluetooth headset. And uh, there it goes the interpretation through the whole service, synchronic translation from Russian into English. Uh, Pastor Alexander, he's like all, every one of the pastors except one that I've met here in Toronto. He's bivocational. He is not supported with a salary by his church. Uh, he's a very successful building contractor. And uh, so after the uh, after the potluck and when the congregation got together downstairs in the basement, a wonderful meal of fellowship, he pointed out to me four other men of the church who are regularly preaching uh, along alongside of him. They they have two service, two sermons in every service. And so uh, there's lots of uh, opportunity for the five men of the church to to preach the word. And there's a lot of good participation of the members in the in the uh, in the worship. Uh The church is growing, Uh, they are preparing six adults right uh, these days for baptism later this year. And these are not recent immigrants, these are former unbelievers, Russian speaking, of course, uh, who are living here in Canada for some years, and they have repented and are obediently following the way of the Lord Jesus, and they have joined this community. The church is also, of course, preparing for the refugees to come to Ukraine. It's all over their website. They plan to make space in the basement of the fellowship hall and in the uh, sanctuary's balcony for these people to, uh, to make a spot for themselves, at least temporarily. Uh, many of these people are relatives of theirs. They've uh, Pastors received information of... 35 friends and relatives who are working with the Canadian government to try to come into Canada uh, as refugees. And Pastor Alexander is every day getting more and more calls. He says, brothers and sisters, we must be good Samaritans. We just can't pass by on the other side of the street like the Levite did in the gospel story. We must serve our people. And so that's a little bit of a flavor of the, uh, the rich fellowship that we're having here among the Slavic communities in uh, the greater Toronto area. So today is Refugee Sunday, and this is a remarkable but sad time because today we can see endless news streaming about Ukrainian refugees. But not only, we, we uh, last year start, started seeing a stream of Afghanis come into Canada, and before that, Syrians and Iranians. Christian Reformed churches in Canada have helped over 10,500 refugees come to this land through world relief, uh, world renew. And that's since 1979. And the number is much bigger also because there's communities like Smithers that prefer to help persecuted Christians come to make a new home in Canada. And World Renew, World Renew doesn't differentiate or specify in their process uh, who they are bringing in to a community. And so some organizations, some churches choose to go with another organization that especially aims to reach refugees that are particularly Christian. So truly, there's a massive migration of people and one of uh, this is one of the remarkable facts of our time, of our country, and of our Christian Reformed Churches. And so, rightly, today, we are celebrating Refugee Sunday. We don't abandon our partners in Russia, nor their work, and uh, we are continuing to be alongside of them with financial support as they reach their people for Christ. Uh, We just have to figure out more creative ways to be able to get that money to them because uh, the banks are all closed and nobody is sending money into Russia. Uh, Resonate, you and uh, you as supporting churches and ourselves, we continue to strive to keep our connection with our Russian partners. But restrictions for foreigners to be deliberately involved is growing more and more every year ever since 2014. I'm hopeful and I'm excited about this shift of focusing more of our time and efforts toward Russian-speaking diaspora peoples here in Canada and in Estonia, Latvia, where you have seen Pastor Pavel growing a young church and doing ministry in uh, to the Slavic peoples in his country that's very close to St. Petersburg. And I'm very confident that this is going to be a viable and strong ministry because I've seen up close, while in Russia, so many remarkably changed lives because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Galli and I have had the privilege to walk alongside of uh, many, many churches and many church planters in Russia, and we've had years together of joyful, rigorous ministry together. And we believe that God is doing the same at churches like Carr Street Gospel Church here in Toronto and elsewhere. We believe that our CRC churches also want to expand friendships and collaborative ministry with them. The Apostle Paul, he addressed the Greeks in Athens when he wrote in Acts 17, God who made the world and everything in it is the lord of heaven and earth from one man he made all the nations and they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands god did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him that he is not far from any one of us God has stretched the times and opened the borders of people from certain nations. But they are coming, as they are coming, how are they coming here to be among us, the people of God? In this sense, today's refugees and immigrants are quite different from our parents and our grandparents, many of us who uh, come from Christian Europe. Migrants of all uh, eras come trying to find a better life here in Canada. Many are trying to escape repression, disease, famine, violence, and they are coming to Canada. There's an opportunity here that never existed before for them. They come from countries where it was very difficult to even speak about religion or alternative religious views much less to actually convert from one religion to another. Just impossible in places like their homes. But these people maybe now for the first time, not only can they hear the gospel, but they also have the freedom to respond to it without the kind of social and family pressures that may exist in the countries from where they come. So then how do we respond? to the vast majority of these migrants who do not share a Christian faith. We will do as Jesus the Good Shepherd did. Most of them are like sheep without a shepherd, getting lost in the secular, individualistic, and lonely world that they meet in the large cities of our country, Canada. We show them the way to Jesus. We witness to them, We share the path that we took to reach Jesus. We tell the powerful stories of redemption that we've seen and heard. We tell them about our love for Jesus and how we have found safe pasture with Him. Jesus has recorded Himself in John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 I am the gate. Whoever enters through me. Will be saved. There will come, they will come in and out and find safe pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. Finding a full and meaningful life in Christ is Paul's message to the two letters that he wrote to the young believers. In Thessalonica, Paul commended these young Christians for putting their self identity on Jesus and their citizenship in the kingdom of God, both in their everyday life and work in their earthly city, and also in their hopes for eternity in heaven with Jesus, as Paul had taught them. Paul gives special attention to the Thessalonians about the last days and Christ's second coming. Let's read now 1 Thessalonians, a longer passage, 10 verses of the fifth chapter of Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 10. Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and safety destruction will come on them suddenly and labor pains as labor pains on a pregnant woman and there will and there will be no escape but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should should so that this day should surprise you like a thief you are all sons of light and sons of the day For we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep. But let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate. Paul tells the Thessalonians that all over the region of Mesopotamia, where he's carrying out his missionary journey, he is getting reports how they are a model of faithful living in order to please God. Paul is telling us the same. If our lives and self-identity is well-centered on Christ, we would have a compelling witness to share with our world around us, including to the new Canadians we meet in our neighborhoods sometimes by default our society conditions us to assume that people have no interest in spiritual things to this we can say no not true really rightly so most immigrants most immigrants and refugees have the material world front and center in their drive to settle here in Canada but i would dare say that all of the people coming to Canada shores have had their share of encounters with the spiritual world. And Satan has done his work in stealing and destroying what hope they may have had for their future. In my life in Russia, supposedly a country steeped in atheistic ideology which, which mocked the practice of religion, I still heard and witnessed the pervasive presence of the dark side of the spirit world. Witches were for hire, black magic, casting, out spe- casting spells and curses were in abundance and the manifestation of demons was commonly talk- talked about. The Christian faith teaches a strong, secure hope that the battle against Satan has been won by Christ's work on the cross so we can look to the future with hope. We trust that the Lord Jesus, the Good Shepherd, will lead us through all the challenging times, whether that's a pandemic or panicked escape from a war-torn country like Ukraine. So are we ready to respond at that spiritual level to the refugees around us? I think a look at the theme of our scripture today will give us a heavenly, not an earthly point of reference all the movements of peoples. Of, of course, Canadian government bureaucrats and shopkeepers, restaurant owners, community college presidents rightly look at these refugees and immigrants with the eyes of taxes, GM, GDP or GMP, and, and enrollments. But we are people of the book. We're sons and daughters of the light, who is God and king of the universe. And we look at these people differently. Puritans Puritans are early devout believers of the 16th, 17th and 18th centuries in England and also in colonial America. They were also living at a time of a lot of social, political and religious upheaval. So they had a lot to write about God's providence in their lives. They spelled it out very clearly with a nice list of biblical principles that Christians today desperately need to hear those principles are these that god is in control of this universe god is working out his perfect purposes also in your life and mine god's ways are far more mysterious and wonderful than i can even understand god is always good i can always trust him now god's timetable is not always the same as mine God is far more interested in what I become than what I do. Freedom from suffering is not promised in the Christian life. Suffering is an integral part of our life. God works through suffering to fulfill his purposes in me. God's purposes, not mine, are what bring him glory. God enables me to read his providences through the lens of his word. And finally, I have a great pleasure in tracing the wonders of God's ways. Those were the realities of the Puritans. And these are the realities of what these frightened Ukrainians are professing as they cling to the good shepherd these days, finding some threads of comfort in God's perfect purposes, in order that he would allow this murderous invasion by the leaders of a brother nation. Like us who live in relative peace and safety, they face the same questions as the Thessalonians did. What is life for in this age before Jesus comes? Looking at our passage, we want to be God-focused people like those Thessalonians were. The practical effects of being God-focused are that we are alert to his purposes and that we know where we stand with them. We are to be self-controlled. We're to keep our eyes open. We're creatures of the day, acting like sons and daughters of the light who see what's going on in reality in the spiritual world. So we're not sleepwalking our way through life. We are dressed up with faith that we deeply believe is the saving power of the gospel of Jesus. And it will save us from any bondage or slavery that we or our loved ones can find him or herself in. We arm ourselves with a love that bears all things. And we live in the hope that our salvation is a done deal in Christ. I'd return to a few comments that Pastor Alexander told me at Carr Street Gospel Church. He said, I love my country, Canada, even more than my native Ukraine. But when I compare the level of spirituality in our Canadian churches, I have to admit that we are a nation that's lost its salt. My own children do not compare with the spiritual values and the practice of their contemporaries in Ukraine. So powerful is the secularizing culture that we have here in Canada. He was being very honest. He has three uh, three children between the age of 18 and 24 uh, trying to find their way. living their values as they pick them up uh, having been born and raised here in Canada. Immigrants and refugees who come already here as Christians, those we should welcome as brothers and sisters in Christ and we welcome their expression of obedient living for Christ. God is the creator of all people coming out of a diversity of cultures. And their testimonies of living their faith have been sharpened under the fire of repression and persecution. We will find ourselves listening to believers like these who hold a very traditional biblical views on the social issues of our day here in North America. And these encounters will challenge us to be one in spirit with them, to them and to us. I close with the pastoral words of the Apostle Paul. You are all sons of the light and daughters of the day. Dress up with the faith of our mighty savior, with love for the suffering peoples of this world and with a sure hope that salvation found in God's one and only son, Jesus, is your gift to share wherever God has placed you. Amen.